With technology prevalent, Zoom calls and everything we do, there's a lot more hands-off. You don't have to be in the office with everyone like you used to be. We used to have a conference room in the front of our office for years, and that's where we held meetings. And everything was face-to-face, -face, emotions. Now everyone's like a widget with KPIs and, and measurements. Either you perform or you're out, and you're like a widget now. There's no that human connection. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you build financial independence through real estate investing and help you take control of your wealth and escape the Wall Street casino. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Ben Reinberg. Ben is an incredibly successful commercial real estate investor who owns over $500 million of commercial real estate around the country. He started at a young age and now has been in commercial real estate for nearly 30 years. Today, we're talking about how he got his start, what really compelled him to focus on commercial real estate investing, to today, what asset classes he's focusing on, where he thinks he can build a competitive edge and maintain it over time, and also the tactics and strategies that enable him to remain at peak performance and just continue to perpetuate incredible wealth for himself and those around him. Really incredible story. He's got interesting strategies for his daily routine to make sure he stays in peak performance mode constantly, as well as reflect on the days that he's just completed and continue to improve day over day. It's a great conversation. He's accomplished so much, and I love getting his perspective, his long-term perspective on commercial real estate investing and what it takes to be successful as a real estate investor. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a commercial real estate investor, and to date, I have acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Ben Reinberg. Really appreciate you guys joining us here today. Let's go. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to talk about commercial real estate investing and how you scaled your portfolio over time. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about you, your business, and where you got started? Taylor, thank you for having me on. I know I'll be able to create a lot of impact and great content for your listeners, so I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Basically, when I was 23, 20 or four years old, I got started in commercial real estate. I've always been a principal, not a broker, which means I'm an owner, a landlord. We manage our portfolio across the United States. I started Alliance Consolidated Group of Companies when I was a young man. I just turned 53 this past Saturday. So I've been doing this for almost 30 years, coming up on 30 years. And it's been a growing process. I started out buying industrial and office, being from Chicago as a local and regional business. Fast forward today, we own office, industrial, and retail. We just launched a new medical office fund. We started buying medical office 17 years ago. And three and a half years ago, we started adding veterinarian properties to our portfolio. So we raise money from high net worth accredited investors and family offices around the country and even outside. We're known as a fiduciary of capital. And so we manage all our own investments. We have different departments, where it's acquisitions, property management, investor relations, asset management, operations, et cetera, within our company. And I'm very proud of the people that work at Alliance. We have 200 plus years of leadership team experience at the company. And so that's what I do. And then 
lately. Taylor, I've been building my personal brand. I got in social May of 2022. It's grown rapidly. I have my own podcast called Ben Reinberg. I own it, which is owning every aspect of your life and being responsible. And we have great guests that come on and we lean into commercial real estate, which is my expertise part of the time. And uh, that's who I am. That's what I do. So I own a commercial real estate investment firm. Our headquarters in Chicago. I sit on the West Coast right now. I live in California. My office is in Newport Beach. Then we have other offices around the country. So that's what we do. We own and manage commercial real estate throughout the United States and certain sections of the U.S. that we target. And lately, a large focus of ours is medical office. Awesome. Great. So starting at such a young age, getting into commercial real estate investing, you know, there's enough, you know, out there today, I think, inspiring people to get into commercial real estate. But nearly 30 years ago, getting started, there probably weren't a whole lot of people kind of suggesting to you out there in the media saying, hey, commercial real estate's a great way to participate in the real estate market. What what got you started in commercial real estate and heading down that path rather than, you know, buying single family rentals like so many other people? I noticed in my area, I was from, I'm from Chicago, born and raised. A lot of the icons in commercial real estate, there's a tremendous amount of families and icons in our business from Chicago. Between Sam Zell, the Pritzkers, who own the Hyatt Hotels, the Crown family, Ryan's Ben Reinberg now. I mean, there was these iconic names and I was trying to understand what they did and they're all involved in some sort of real estate, commercial real estate. So I said, that was the key to building wealth. And then I read a book by a lady named Sharon Lecter that really inspired me. She wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. And she was the main thrust of the financial information in that book. And I read it a handful of times and I realized that the way to build wealth was buying assets that produce cash flow. Lo and behold, besides the icons in Chicago and reading that book, I said, I always wanted to be my own boss. And Taylor, I just took a step back and said, what can I do to build wealth and enjoy what I do? And I got into commercial real estate. I did my first deal when I was a young man raised a few million bucks, added value to the leases at the property, sold it for a great multiple for all the multifamily guys in our business that's IRR for a great IRR a multiple. And that's what launched me. And ever since I've been raising money and buying commercial real estate ever since, since I was in my twenties. And so it's really all I know. It's, it's what resonates with inside me. It, it's where I gravitate to. And I'm really excited because I am going to be teaching commercial real estate around the world shortly. We're going to be producing content and classes to teach it, to really help educate and serve people that want to get in the business that never really had it, have a chance to really understand. It's a sophisticated business. No one taught me the business. I had to go through my own learning curve. And so I'm kind of a self-starter, self-taught, made person. And I'm really proud of that. And I figured, you know what, if I could shorten my learning curve where someone didn't have to go through all the ups and downs I've had to go through to become this successful in my career. I felt that wouldn't it be nice if I could just shorten that learning curve and impact someone, them create their own legacy. So that's why I'm the- Absolutely. Nice. So I would imagine over the course of uh, nearly 30 years and that the market has changed considerably. I mean, interest rates are, you know, they've been up and down. We of course had the great recession in there, dot-com boom, all kinds of other things. So can you tell us about like how those things changed over time and also how you, you stayed ahead of it? Because a lot of people were wiped out by those, not so much the ups, but the downs, they were wiped out by the ups and downs of the market, but you stayed ahead of it. You're still here. So 
what allowed you to stay ahead and how is how have things changed over time? Well, the key to commercial real estate and any real estate is the ability to hold because you got to be able to ride through cycles. You know, a cycles and cash will look like moguls. They don't just ascend straight up in the air like people think. And if you have the ability to hold, you can ride through different downturns and cycles, which is what we do is we prepare all our properties to be able to protect the downside and be able to have the ability to hold enough reserves, great financing, flexibility, good lenders, and understand what we do when we have issues. So that's one way how we prevent being able to carry and stay in the business and be successful. We don't over leverage properties, something really important. You know, I don't like putting too much leverage on properties. That way you have flexibility. And again, it goes back to the ability to hold. But my career has changed. I mean, I thought I was going to be this iconic, multi-story, class A, class B office building owner in major metropolitan areas. That was my dream. And then the internet became more prevalent. People didn't need as much space. And suburban officing become as in demand. And so I had to kind of switch. So we got more into industrial. We got into retail. We did very well. We got into net lease properties. And then a long time ago, we got into medical properties and then it turned into veterinary. And so the thing I love about medical properties is you really have to become an expert. There's a high barriers entry, really understand the product types, the different niches, the licensing, et cetera. The other thing I like about medical is that the human body is never going out of style. So during a pandemic or recession, it's very resilient type of real estate. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like you've really shifted away from retail as we talk about the changing market and everything. A lot of folks, you know, think retail's uh, totally going away. Now that you're in medical office, you're right, the, the human body's not really going out of style, but but retail might be changing. Are you, would you say you're a bear on retail in general, or is it just there's not as much of a competitive, like, moat in the retail space? I'm bullish if you have a grocery anchored center and that you're going to draw traffic to. I think those are great. I'm bullish on single tenant net lease. Some of the tenants, the dollar stores do well. Some of the fast food restaurants are incredible assets to own, whether you're in 1031 exchange or want to hold it for a long period of time. Those are great assets. Some of the strip centers have converted what we've seen. Some of our strip centers and shopping centers convert to all medical. So that's an opportunity for those type of facilities. But generally speaking, there's just some real soft spots in, my, in retail because of people are shopping online more right now. Amazon's become more of a figure. So a lot of the stuff that we can buy now, we're getting online. Now, I live in California, in Orange County. You go to some of the shopping areas, there's no vacancy. So it could be weather-related. It could be the amount of density in California. But there's just certain areas of the country, if you don't have enough density and the right tenant mix, it's it's a challenge. So Retail has been very challenging in certain sectors of the retail market. Mm, okay. And I would imagine there's also a lot of talk about office, like just kind of more general office. It sounds like you're pretty much well away from that these days. Like, what are your thoughts on on the future of offices? Work from home here to stay and here to destroy office as an asset class, or is it you know not quite that bad? Well, it's things have changed, especially after the pandemic. I think it's exacerbated. It kind of showed, made it more prevalent how tough general office is. Suburban office is tough because the big block space has become more challenging. When you have 
ready to go, built out space, furnished, shared office space. That seems to do very well in office in any market. But some of the off others, whether you're 5, 10, 15, 20,000 floor plates, they seem to be sitting vacant, especially in the suburbs. CBD, which is central business district, say like downtown Chicago, Manhattan, you know, Los Angeles, New York, or Miami, you know, Dallas, major cities with big city developments in it. That office space does fairly well, but there's still vacancies. And the problem with office space is more people are used to working from home now and there's a remote workforce. So you might have some people come in the office a couple of days a week, some people work from home. With technology prevalent, Zoom calls and everything we do, there's a lot more hands-off. You don't have to be in the office with everyone like you used to be. We used to have a conference room in the front of our office for years, and that's where we held meetings. And everything was face-to-face, emotions. Now everyone's like a widget with KPIs and, and measurements. Either you perform or you're out, and you're like a widget now. There's no that human connection. So I think a lot of it, with the loss of human connection, the lack of tenants running, the significant amount of space to be absorbed, it's really challenging to be a general office landlord. And we've seen it firsthand. We've seen in the buildings we've been tenants in where it looks like a ghost town. In the pandemic, we were in the office most of the pandemic because we were called in Illinois an essential business. However, our office building was like a ghost town. No one was even in there. And it gave an opportunity, Taylor, where people were renegotiating. It kind of reminded me of the 08, 09 recession where people were going back to their landlord and negotiating. People are using the word force majeure to negotiate against their landlords in the pandemic. The problem is there was never a legal precedent for force majeure for the pandemic. So it was a hard case to, to go after. However, just the world's changed. And so now could office come back? Sure. Anything could happen. And it's probably a great time to buy those deals at, at great price per square foot pricing. However, the question is, so you buy it at a cheap price and yeah, you can lower rent, but is the demand there no matter what the rent is? It used to be you could get the demand if you lower rent and you got good amenities and improvements. Nowadays, you lower the rent and you have a good TI package. It's going to take a little bit more time. Maybe you won't even lease it because there's not as much demand. There's so much product out there to be absorbed. So it's tough. Wow. Well, I'm glad I'm not an office guy, but you know, different, different strokes for different folks. So we hear a lot of talk about increasing interest rates and who knows really what they're going to do for the rest of 2023. But I think in the broader sense, us as real estate investors, we should understand or have a plan for higher interest rates in the future. What are we going to do? There's also a lot of talk about folks who might be in trouble with shorter term notes and kind of financed at lower rates, and they might have to refinance in these higher interest rate environments and all kinds of other things. What are your thoughts about any risks that might be imposed by today's higher interest rates and and how we can prepare for that or also to look for opportunity that may crop up as a result? I think you got to look at what your strategy is. You know, like in our business, a lot of physicians, they want to sell because they can't refinance. Because what happens with the higher interest rates, they might not hit debt service coverage ratios in their loan documents and their covenants. And that's a problem. Their property might not appraise out at a value that they're at the same LTV. So this is the whole reason why when you have a relationship with your lenders and they're flexible, you can deal with challenging times. They don't want to take back properties. It's a pain in the butt to take back a property. It's a lot of tape. They'd rather have you vested and try to figure it out and solve it. So you figure out ways to do it. There's different ways to refinance. You just got to get creative. And if you're struggling to refinance and you can make a profit, you sell it. Or, you know, you bring in more equity if you have to and 
lower your LTV and change your capital stack. I mean, there's different things you could do to get creative. So if you have investors, you want to communicate with them frequently what's going on. You want to make sure you preserve their asset and their investment. And then also you want to have a good relationship with your lender that can be flexible, that can understand, okay, interest rates are high. How do we make this work? You know, do we, do we go to interest only for two years? What are our options? So you talk through some of the, some of the so solutions. You want to be what I call solutionary oriented. You want to come up with solutions to your problems. And that way you'll have some ability to create the ability to hold, which is the key. Mm, okay. Okay. So over the course of your career, I'm sure you've seen a lot of investors come and go. A lot of folks kind of blow up, build a huge portfolio, say in the run-up in just prior to the Great Recession, and they blow up and they kind of go away and, and don't come back. But you stuck around the whole time. And, and I think that that longevity should not be underrated or discounted. That's very important because we we see the winners in the long run, but we kind of forget about the the losers and all that selection bias. What do you think sets you and your business apart from those who were wiped out in the Great Recession and didn't stick around quite as long? We're conservative in the way we underwrite. We look at real estate fundamentals. We've been through different cycles. So we don't just buy off a of yield. We buy off real estate fundamentals. Again, we create the ability to hold. We don't over leverage properties. And that's why we survive. We just, we manage the heck out of our properties. We build good relationship with tenants and lenders. You know, we stick to our core values, which is transparency, integrity, consistency, and expertise. And that allows us to thrive. You know, I don't need to show that I have a plane with a with a, with a saying on it to show how wonderful, successful I am. I let my track record and longevity speak for itself. Now with my personal brand, I think it's going to be out there and I'll be out in the open, which is fine. But at the end of the day, it's just the way you treat people. You know, it's, it comes from the heart. It's the way you treat your investors, your, the brokers you deal with. You act with integrity, transparency. You tell people what you know and don't know. And we have a great brand where we close. People know that we can close. So people enjoy doing business with us because we lead and we can close and brokers make a lot of money with us. They get paid and sellers get what exactly they bargained for when they deal with us. So it creates longevity. It's, it's just consistency. It's showing up every day. It's being persistent. It's doing things a little bit different. I've worked a lot of weekends where most people were enjoying the sun, sun in the summer of Chicago. I was working to grow my business and preserve it get through any challenges of tough times or tough environments. And just, I just believe in myself and it's a mind game. And I really had to figure out how to control my emotions. I got into personal development because I figured if I can control what's on my thoughts, I can control my behavior and then I can influence and impact people in a very positive way, which I've been able to do. So at the end of the day, it's a culmination of a lot of factors that go into it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of showing up and it's just being persistent in that drive. Great. So you mentioned personal development. I've found that prior to becoming a real estate investor and getting involved with this space, I really discounted the value of personal development. Then I've met so many successful people that credit their personal development routine to their success, to causing their success and driving their success. So I love that. What does your personal development routine or strategy look like? What do you actually do and 
how have you refined that well, over time? Well, it's it's changed, but I could tell you what I do right now. I get up somewhere about 4.30 in the morning every day and meditate for about 36 minutes. And then I do some yoga for 36 minutes to stretch. And then I go work out with my get. I might have some calls I do on my way to my trainer. It's about a 25-minute drive. So while I'm driving through the mountains on my way to my trainer, I'll, I'll make some calls in my office in Chicago or somewhere on the East Coast or Southwest or Southeast, whatever, wherever. It allows me to. I train, then I get ready, and then I get in the office, and then I go at it. At, during the day, I might meditate a couple times, and then at night, I do journaling. And then again, I go back and I do some yoga for 36 minutes. And then I finish off the night with meditating and then I'm in bed. I get to bed as soon as I can and then start all over. And it's just real consistency and, and just allows me to really become the best version of myself, that routine. And so I journal, I get to really own and process my thoughts, things I've learned through the days, things I could have done better. It allows me to really teach myself and be with myself to process how can Ben Reinberg get better and be the best version of ourselves? I go through periods of the day where maybe I don't like how I handled something, Taylor, and I'll reflect on it and, and say, you know, what I was living in a state of fear at that moment and why didn't I change my mindset? So every day I wake up and I try to put myself in a state of love and not a state of fear, eliminate fears, eliminate any self-disempowering talk about myself about anyone else. And I just change my mindset so I can get through the day and have a successful day. I take each day one at a time. I try to be present as much as possible like I am with you. You know, you're my only focus right now. Not worried about what's going on at my house. I'm not worried about what's going on in my office or my employees. All I worry about is looking at you. And that's something I had to develop. And so all the personal development that I work on, balancing my emotions, my mind-body connection. I really got to learn about myself and how to love myself more. And ever since I started doing it, a handful of years ago, I've changed drastically. I'm a much different person than I was. I don't get triggered. I just, I look at every opportunity, whether it's criticism, I'm failing at something, I have success at something, but he's disgruntled. There's always a lesson in everything in life. And so the first thing I do, Taylor, is I look for when something negative is going on in my life, I look for what is the message that the universe is trying to send me? What am I supposed to learn from this? And I look for, I seek the truth. So when you're talking and I'm trying to understand what you're saying, if you bring up a concept, I'm always looking for what's the, what's the truth in that and, and understand his perception and viewpoints. What most people don't understand, Taylor, that I had to learn at a long time ago was we all think differently. We look at things differently. We perceive things differently. So just because you feel you're right about a topic doesn't mean you're necessarily right. It's just your perception and viewpoint about something. So the way I teach and learn commercial real estate and I underwrite it, but it's completely different than someone else. That's the way I learn the business I'm comfortable and how I know how to create success. There's probably thousands of ways to create success in commercial real estate. So I always realize that if someone has a different way, I'll open my mind and listen. Because I might learn something and be able to incorporate it. And I think that's part of the lesson that I learned was when you're a good listener and you have an open mind and your heart's open and you can let things and ideas and concepts and perceptions in your life, you'll learn something and then you can improve. 
And guess what? The other person on the other side builds a deeper connection with you. And that's how you grow your business. And that's really the secret with relationships. And I didn't know that when I was younger. I had to really learn that over time. So how does long-term goal setting factor into your strategy? You have your daily disciplines and everything that you go through. I love the 36 minutes. That's a great detail. But if we don't know which direction that we want to steer our ship, then we aren't going to wind up where we want to be. So how do you think about long-term goal setting? Well, what your listeners can do is you could set monthly, yearly, three-year goals. I don't believe in going past three years because it's very difficult to go out that far. I think the human mind has trouble going out that far. The key to goals or the key to anything in life is one, being committed. Commitment's huge. But the most important thing is having someone keep you accountable. It's one thing you can have goals and you can put them on paper, but if you're not accountable to yourself or someone's not keeping you accountable, it is a challenge to achieve what you want out of life. So the only way you can do that is being committed. And that comes from within. That's really where it starts if you're going to achieve these type of goals or or objectives you have, depending on what you want to do. It's one thing someone says, well, I want to make a billion dollars. Well, the question is, how are you going to get there? What are the small goals you're going to get to to get to the big goals, right? So you have to lay out a plan. And then once you have that plan, you got to be committed to it. You can't waver. And that's the thing. People are like, oh, well, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it a week from now. No, if you do it today, if you, if you do the little things you don't want to do, like people are like, oh my God, Ben, I can't believe you wake up so early to do this morning routine. Yeah, I do because I'm committed. I'm committed to being the best version of myself. And that's real commitment. So I could say, hey, I'm, I'm going to sleep until 6.30, Taylor, tired, had a long night. Maybe I took out a client to dinner, had a glass of wine, I'm exhausted. I'm not, not, it's not the promise I made to myself. So if you keep your promises to yourself and you commit, you can achieve anything. Wow. I love that. The power of commitment. I've seen it so many times, how critical commitment is to folks' success taking those actions every day. I love that so much. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Ben, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Absolutely. Bring them on. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? In myself. In myself. That was the best investment I made, is working on myself. And just like that goes back to our discussion around personal development and commitment to your goals. So very, very true to form. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? I would say certain people that worked in our company had been a bad investment, just didn't work out or wasn't uh, values weren't aligned with our core values in our company. 
Those are usually the bad investments we make that causes other issues and toxicity within the company. So how did you change your approach to learn from some of those tough lessons and avoid them in the future? I think we learned how to slow down our hiring process, have different type of assessments, bring different people in, get more references, and have more input from our staff on certain hires we have going on within the company. I think we've broadened our reach, so to speak, to bring in more viewpoints on a particular candidate. Cool. Great. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Is relationships. Really focus on your relationships and lean in on them and become resource rich. So that way through your relationship, you could build resources. That way, anywhere you go to buy commercial real estate, you have the ability to bring in great top-notch resources to help you bring that project or acquisition over the finish line in the manner you want. I love that. I love that. Are there any particular strategies that you utilize to foster and grow relationships? Do you have systems around it? You have CRMs, anything like that? Are you just naturally good at relationships? What do you do to make sure you're furthering those? I'm just old school. Just call. I'm a big phone guy. You know, I might send a text saying, how you doing? Happy birthday. Wishing people happy birthday where maybe I haven't talked to in a while. Just taking time to give a shit about people, Taylor. <laughs> I, I, when I just turned 53 years old on Saturday, I'll give you an example. The people that really care about you or want to build a relationship, they will reach out to you. That's just the bottom. So on a Saturday, January 21st, it's my birthday. I can see the texts coming in. Those are the people that want to connect with you. And if you want to connect with someone, it's those little details. It's remembering a birthday. It's an anniversary. It's, it's, cele it's celebrating their wins without any vested interest on your own. Oh, I saw you sign that great lease. Congratulations. I saw you bought that great retail center in Los Angeles. Congratulations. Amazing. That looks amazing. Good luck with it. Those little things go a long way where people take time to care about you. My publicist sent me a fruit basket for my birthday. Wasn't expecting it. And she did. It's those little things that touch you. It's the message. It's the, it's the taking time to care about people. That's really where I think the secret is to not only our business, but business along because people remember those things. They remember those little things. You know, we send our investors bottles of wine, really cool bottles of wine. And wine has a connotation where it's a, it's a synergy. It's a bonding effect with people. That's why we do it. It's because we care and we value them and we appreciate every dollar they are, they, they invest with us. It's no different. It's no different life. Human nature is human nature. And so we, Invest in human nature. And that's how you build relationships and cultivate them and make your life easier. That's why we have a lot of deals that are brought to us as well. I love that. No need to get too fancy, right? Just stick to the basics. It's old school mentality. People. It's how you treat people. It's taking time. You know, we're all humans. And yeah, there's social media and there's technology and all this other stuff. But I send a lot of handwritten notes to people. No one does it. So imagine, Taylor, if you got a handwritten note, how, how special would you feel? Because no one does it. Your parents or someone might get you a card on your birthday and, you know, they write that handwritten note. My mother does it in cursive. She has this great handwriting. 
It means something to me when I get that card. I don't care. She doesn't have to give me a gift for anything. I don't need it. But that handwritten note or that card with your, with your handwriting on it means everything to people. So it's that personal touch that goes a long way. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing all these great lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, right. where can they track you down? I'll give you two places. One, if you want to learn about my company, it's Alliance CGC, charliegeorgecharlie.com. You can learn about our brand new Alliance Medical Property Fund we just launched if you're interested in investing. You can learn about medical office, office industrial retail. You can look at a various amount of newsletter and blogs that we've written about different topics to learn about commercial real estate. To follow me, if you go to benreinberg.com, you can go, you'll be able to link to all my social media platforms. We'll be launching content to teach commercial real estate as well. So stay tuned for that. And then feel free to listen to my podcast is Ben Reinberg. I own it. And it's about owning and being responsible for every aspect of your life. So those are the different ways you can engage with me and follow me and learn about commercial real estate business, health, wealth, relationships, et cetera. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're building wealth on Main Street along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.